uh, as we close, the, the title this week's called Hiding in Plain Sight. Uh, and, and I just want to kind of give a little disclaimer uh, because what we're going to talk about and where we're going to go is one of those that um, is going to be so obvious because it's been hiding in plain sight. For some, you're going to go, no. You know, there's going to be this immediate resistance in your soul. It can't be that obvious. It can't be right out there. For some, it's one of those times where you're like, I've never seen that before. And that's what this moment's going to be like. You're going to go, wow. And for others, it's going to be this like, yeah, I've heard that, but, but I've missed part of it because it's been hiding in plain sight. Uh, I was thinking about, back over the course of my life, stuff that I just missed that were really obvious. And in high school, thinking about Valentine's Day specifically, uh, there was this incredibly great musician. His name was Dave Matthews. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. And so he was uh, pretty popular. And the whole reason I learned Dave Matthews songs on the guitar was just to impress the ladies. I don't think it worked. But, uh, you know, I learned a few different songs. One of the songs that I learned was a song called Crash. You know that song? You ever heard of that song, Crash Into Me? Yeah? No? This, this whole group's like staring at me with blank faces. You're like, who, who is Dave Matthews? You kind of know it? No, you're totally... Okay. I almost grabbed a guitar and show you. Um... <laughs> Anyways, just trust me, all right? I didn't realize I'm going to have to unpack this quite as much for this row right here. Anyways, there's this guy named Dave Matthews. He's actually, I think, South African, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So we got a couple South Africans here. Uh, And so, anyways, I got totally thrown off. I used to play that song. I'd play drums to Dave Matthews' band and practice. And so I heard this song over and over and over again. Now, there's this line in it, uh, and I didn't really fully get the whole meaning of this song, but there's this line in it that says, uh, very uh, provocatively, hike up your skirt a little more, you know, and show the world to me. Now, I heard this song over and over and over again, maybe thousands of times. And and you know what I heard every single time that line came up, hike up your skirt a little more and show the world to me? This is literally, and I didn't find out until I was singing it with some friends on the guitar, and they're like, no, that's not the words, because this is what I said. Pack up, you scurvy little boy. (laughs) And my buddy's like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's pack up, you scurvy little boy, and show the world to me. Like, uh, like all of a sudden, Dave Matthews turned into a pirate, Arr! you know, pack up, you scurvy little boy. And the whole time, the words were there, and I just missed it the whole way. And I was singing the right melody, but singing the wrong words. Now, now, I think, I think some of us are in that place, in the area of significance, in the area of our spirituality, our relationship with God, in the area of what, what matters most, in the areas that, that, uh, where we're searching for something to satisfy us. 
I, I feel like, could it be that some of us just look around at everyone else and we just feel like, does everyone get it but me? Because I'm singing the song, but it's not quite making sense. But it seems like everyone else, when I look around me, has it. When we're talking about significance, when we're talking about what really satisfies, when we're talking about and we understand that, that somehow it's connected spiritually with God. And we look around, does, does everyone else get it? Do, do you ever feel like you just can't quite connect the dots? In the area of spirituality, in the area of, okay, what deeply satisfies your soul. Could it be? Could it be that what we've been searching for, satisfaction, significance, hope, hope, could it be that it's been hiding in plain sight this whole time and because it's so obvious we've over looked it. Now, if you've ever not really, if you're there, if you feel like you don't get it, you're going to be feeling really good about yourself as we read the disciples' response here. Because if you read the disciples' response here, Jesus is going to unpack this, this, this deep truth about reality for us that's in front of every single one of us. And the disciples so don't get it that if you're here, you're going to feel so good about yourself. Yeah, you know, you're going to go, yeah, I'm not that bad. I'm not the guy singing, pack up, you scurvy little boy. I at least, okay, I'm not that guy. See, I'm that guy in the story here. But Jesus is going to teach us what exactly is hiding in plain sight. How do you, how do I experience hope? How do we experience a life that's filled with significance? How do we step into the, what Jesus would call the full life? If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Mark chapter 8, verse 14, as we close out this series. Uh, the context here, we've been going through this, is Jesus has just fed 4,000 people, crossed over, had this confrontation with the Pharisees, uh, and now they're back in the boat, and they're traveling, uh, going up to Bethsaida. So they're going up to the north uh, west end of the lake. And as they're traveling in the boat, uh, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread, uh, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Now, Jesus being the master teacher that he is, he uses this moment to, um, to have an object lesson. So verse 15, Jesus says, Be careful, he warned. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. That's clear. I mean, we all get that, right? I mean, you're clear, right? We'll unpack it a little bit later. Don't worry. And now, now this is where the disciples just listen. They discussed with one another and said, is it because we have no bread? You know, they're looking around like, okay, Peter, it was your job to bring the bread. You left it on the shore. We got off. We can't go back. You know how much rowing that would be? You forgot the bread, and now Jesus is pointing it out. We're hungry. We only got one little barley loaf. What in the world are we going to do? And now our Lord and Savior is pointing it out and they totally missed it. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them. Now, I want you to notice this. He asked eight questions in a row. Why are you talking about having no bread? I can just imagine in their mind. Because you just 
said, watch out for the yeast of Pharisees and Herod. We don't know what that means, except that we only have one loaf of bread. That's why we're talking about it, Jesus. And then, then he asked this, do you still not see, understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Now he, now he wants to bring them back to what he's been doing. And don't you remember? I mean, I mean don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets uh, of pieces did you pick up? And they think back. I'm like, okay, well, Pete, how many did you get? Yeah, okay. James, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, we all got one basket. Okay, so we got 12, Jesus. Okay, we picked up 12. And then when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000s, how many basket of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. We got seven. He said to them, now I love this, do you still not understand? And here's something so, so interesting about the disciples. The disciples remembered the facts, but they didn't understand the significance I think some of us in this room, we got the facts of the story right, but we just don't understand the significance. And here's what I love about Jesus. He is the master teacher, and so he poses these questions. He doesn't just give us the answer because he wants us to wrestle with it. He wants them to wrestle with it. There's a massive difference, by the way, between telling someone and teaching someone. Telling someone is just simply for their information. You're informing them. When you teach someone, it's for understanding. And so you take the time until they get it. For those of us who have kids, you know this, right? At homework time. There's so many times when I just want to give my kids the answer so they stop asking me, you know? Dad, what what is nine times nine? Well, you know, think it out. And then they just start guessing, right? They just start throwing out numbers. They're like, uh, is it 29? No, that's, that's actually way off. Okay, we got we to gotta work on that, you know. But we don't, I, as a dad, as a good dad, I don't give them the answer because it's in the process of the struggle that what is true finds its weight of significance there. And Jesus, the master teacher, doesn't just say, blurt it out to them. Now, Here's what I find interesting, because Jesus thinks that the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000 are massive points of what the kingdom of God is like and why he came. He points back to it. This is referred multiple times over the course of his ministry. He points them back here and says, in the boat, I'm making this point about yeast with Herod and yeast with Pharisees. They seem to have nothing in common, but apparently they do. And and he points them back. And if you notice, uh, what did it say about the people? That they ate and they were what? Do you remember this? They were satisfied. I mean, do you find it so interesting that the disciples are in the boat arguing about bread when the one who made all the bread was sitting in the boat with them? They're talking about having no bread, and they've seen Jesus feed 4,000. In fact, later on, Jesus would say, I am the bread of life. See, the conversation Jesus is talking about here is guys, you still don't get it. You're stuck in earthly, and you're stuck in what you see, and you get the facts. 
What you don't get and what you're missing is, is when you come to me, I am more than enough for you. I can satisfy all the deepest longings of your soul. And it goes way deeper than just food. Ate, and they were satisfied. So what is it that's hiding in plain sight? First thing I think that's hiding in plain sight is just this fundamental truth. We all know it. We've all experienced it. Our hearts are searching for something or someone to satisfy, to bring fulfillment, to bring maybe its purpose, maybe its significance, maybe its fullness. You're looking for something or someone to, to satisfy the deep needs of your soul. It is a common uh, constant among us as human beings. Our hearts are on an ongoing quest and it might be someone, and, and I mean, Valentine's Day is that time where, where it just brings it to reality for those of, who are single, and you're like, you're on this quest, when I get the right guy, or when I get the right girl, then finally I'll be whole. And, and you're waiting, and you're longing, you're hoping, and, and it just reminds you, you know, and I know some people had probably an anti-Valentine's Day just to go, no, I don't need that right guy. I'm going to throw myself into my work. And you look, maybe, you, maybe it's your work. And you're trying to hope that your work will somehow bring significance and purpose and satisfy the deep longings of your soul. Every single one of us is on a quest, is on a search, is looking for that one thing or that one person that will ultimately fill the gaping hole in our soul. Maybe. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just doing good. Maybe you're like, if, if I can just order my life right and I do enough of the right things, maybe finally that will satisfy. And maybe you live, and I mean this is a little countercultural, but you live in a moralistic paradigm where you go, as long as I do good, then maybe that will finally satisfy because it doesn't look like the other people have it figured out. For some, it's the house and the car and success. But here's what I know. Here's what's hiding in plain sight. Here's what we don't talk about. And here's what we live with. And yet we don't verbalize. Every single person in this room and on this planet is on a search for someone or something to, deep, to satisfy the deep longing of our soul. And as followers of Jesus, we know this. We know this one truth. We claim this one thing. It's, it's one of the central parts of what Jesus is teaching in this passage only Jesus can satisfy our deepest desires. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy. We can search all the world over and look in every corner, in every person, in every house, and climb all the ladders to see what's at the top, but only Jesus. And here's what he's saying in this passage as they're having this discussion on the boat. Guys, don't you understand? You get so focused on external stuff and what you have when you have the bread of life in the boat with you. And if you would take your eyes off that one loaf and onto me, I can satisfy every need of your life. Only, that's a good place for an amen, by the way. I just thought I'd let you know this morning. 
Only Jesus. Only Jesus. You just say it with me, ready? Only Jesus. Only. Only. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something uh, because it, for those of us who are followers of Jesus in here, we know those first two. We've heard those first two, and, and we get it. For those who walked in this room and you've been on a quest, you're, you're, you're searching, you're hoping, you're wanting, could it be, could it be that what I've been searching for has been hiding in plain sight and maybe it is Jesus? And, and you're going like, I've never, never thought that only Jesus could satisfy. Now, for those of us in this room, I want to maybe explain why you perhaps are experiencing apathy and maybe emptiness in your spirituality. And I'm going to say it, and when my wife read it earlier this week, she's like, isn't that saying the same thing? Kind of, but it's not. I, I don't want you to miss this, because this is what I believe is missing from so many people's lives, from our lives, from experiencing the full satisfaction, the full significance, from moving our eyes from the bread in the boat to the bread of life in the boat with us. Okay, you ready? Have I built it up enough? Do you want to know? Okay, good, all right, all right. Our hearts are searching for something or someone to satisfy only Jesus can satisfy. Number three, Jesus plus something or someone doesn't satisfy. This is different. This is important. This is such a big point. In fact, when I originally wrote it, it was Jesus plus something or someone will never satisfy. And I just felt like it might have been a little too negative for you to fully embrace it because this is such a revolutionary concept, guys. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, here's what I know many of us are doing. I got Jesus and I have that relationship. I got Jesus, and I have that job. I have Jesus, and I have to get others' approval. I got Jesus, and you're wondering why it's not working. Because subtly, subtly in that, we believe that Jesus isn't sufficient enough to satisfy our greatest needs. And so intellectually, we assert only Jesus can satisfy, but pragmatically, we live in a way where we say Jesus plus. And this is why Jesus said this. Be careful. Watch out for the yeast of Herod and of the Pharisees. You know what yeast is? I got, a, I got a master chef right here. Well, tell me what, Ryan, tell me what yeast is. It's a living organism, basically, that thrives on sugar to make alcohol. Yeah, it's a single-cell organism uh, that thrives on sugar to make alcohol, or, yeah, or bread or anything <laughs> other. I, like, I, I, I don't know where I was going there, but, uh, <laughs> but I do have a couple brew-making kits for those who want to join me. Okay. <laughs> now, yeast in the ancient day uh, actually 
almost always represented some sort of corruption or evil. Uh, it was actually a dangerous way. Leaven was really what they used. It, they would hold back an old piece of the dough, but because of the conditions and the environment, a lot of times it would go bad or in such a way. So when they'd add it to the hole, it begins to corrupt the whole thing, and people would get sick off of this. Jesus is saying this. A little bit of the wrong thing will corrupt the whole thing. And when we get our relationship mixed up and we say, you know what, Jesus plus this, he's saying anytime you add just a little bit of the wrong thing, it begins to corrupt the whole thing. Watch out for the yeast. And he says what? Of the Pharisees. The Pharisees defined this of somehow their fulfillment and satisfaction was somehow to appease God. It was, I have to work my way to God, be a certain thing. It was trust in your own righteousness. Pharisees were defined by first and foremost pride, pushing others down to push yourself up. Because if you didn't meet the standards, well, then you're outside, and we don't want anything to do with, look how much better we are than you. Exclusivity. You begin to look at everyone around you, and, 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 you, and you respond this way. Maybe you see some things that you don't like. They don't meet your standard, and you go, I'm not going to let that happen in my backyard. <sighs> That, that kind of riffraff, those kind of people, that kind of stuff. They're, and you have this exclusive club, us four and no more. It comes from a heart of pride and you live out exclusivity. And then there's legalism. It's, legalism is always law at the expense of love. It is always following the letter of the law and forsaking loving people. That's why Jesus said the whole law, the whole law, the whole law is fulfilled in this one command. Love God and love others. He said the whole law. You cannot follow law and disregard humanity. And legalism says as long as I'm good, I don't care if you're good, because I just got to make sure I'm good. And then uniformity, sameness, just about everyone looking, behaving the same. And Jesus prayed, you know what, John 17, anybody, you know what he prayed? Anybody? Come on, help me. Someone, someone read their Bible. Anybody read their Bible? Okay. Thank you. No, one. Unity. Unity, that was the answer. It wasn't Jesus, you know. In Sunday school, sometimes the answer is just Jesus, and you can answer that, but that wasn't the answer there. Unity. Unity and uniformity are massively different. Unity says, guess what? We come with all types of differences in us, but what makes us one is our relationship with Jesus. Uniformity says we all look and behave and act the same way, and you follow this procedure. Unity is so powerful because we act like a puzzle piece that, that portrays the mosaic of God. Uniformity is just one color, one node, one shade. See, Pharisees, what he said, watch out for the yeast of Pharisees, somehow trying to appease God when God has shown up to do the work for you. He says, watch out for that yeast, because if you have any of that in you, it's going to work through the whole thing, and a little bit of the wrong thing corrupts the whole thing. 
The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter five said it this way. He said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so if your version, if my version of Christianity somehow seems to be less free and more rules, then you might have some yeast of the Pharisee in you. Romans 8 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. If you're living under a cloud of condemnation and guilt, it's not because Jesus put it on you. It's because you're searching to somehow satisfy the deep need of your soul by somehow moralistically appeasing God. Now, he said the yeast of the Pharisee and then the yeast of Herod. If yeast of the Pharisee is appeasing God, the yeast of Herod is pleasing oneself. Appeasing God, and then you switch to the other side. Both, some, both try to satisfy and bring significance and, and apart from Jesus. Appeasing God, and then, you know what? I, okay, I can't appease God, so I'm just going to please myself. The Epicurean said it this way. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow will die. And it has this self, you know what? I'm just going to live for myself. I wrote down four P's. I could have put down a lot of other P's. I just got going with P's. I'm sorry. But first P I wrote down is power. You think of Herod and his power and might. For some, it's Jesus plus control. When Jesus invites you to give up control, let him be in control. It's Jesus plus influence or authority. And you're not satisfied until you're the top dog. You're not satisfied until people think highly of you. You're not satisfied until you've climbed certain levels. Maybe it's possessions. Man, we hear this all the time in this arena here in Silicon Valley. It's the pursuit of a home. And finally, you know, if we could just buy a home. You know, you know why I don't want to live here? It's because I can't buy a home here. And you hear this over and over as if somehow a home is the end all. Or the car, you know what, I just, I, I want to drive a nice car, you know, or dress, you know what, you got you to dress for the job you want, you know, and I, I mean, come on, it's Jesus plus what I have, maybe it's pleasure, and, and we can think of this on the sexual side of things, and, and that area for sure, but just self-gratification, it, it might be, it might be even just the type of vacations that you're able to go on or want to go on and live. The type of freedom of life or the type of ability to go do these things or relationships that you dive into or maybe it's your position. Maybe it's your status. Maybe it's your degrees. Maybe it's the letters behind your name and it's Jesus plus says, we'll never, we'll never, we'll never satisfy. Now, who is the audience here? Help me out. Disciples. So lest we think that the yeast of Herod is for those outside the walls, he's talking to his disciples to be aware. Both of these are things that we subtly let into our lives that begin to work our way through our whole lives and begin to frame how we think and live out our lives. And this is to followers of Jesus. I hear it today among some Christian, young Christian leaders of like, I want to build my platform. 
Like, what the heck is a platform anyways? Yeah, you know, but, but I mean, hear this. I got to build my platform. And I, I, I noticed that, that there's young pastors that are more concerned about their blogs out there than the people they're pastoring right in front of them and the people they'll never see instead of caring for the people God brought them. I remember hearing a guy say this. It was so profound for me. He said, and so maybe for those of you who want to be in ministry, you be concerned with the depth of your ministry. Let God be concerned with the breadth of your ministry. Hmm. That's good because I didn't say it, so I can say that was good. And, and let me tell you, just personally, man, I just felt like God rocked me this week. I hate it. I hate it when, like, God shows me in the middle of the week. The crummy part about teaching sometimes is, like, is then you have to learn, you know? I had to learn ahead of time, you know? And it was Tuesday night, and I'm going to this thing called soul care, and it, it, it's for caring your soul. I don't know if you could tell that, but, and I, I'm there, and I honestly, I, if I, can I just be honest? I don't really like being there because you have to be quiet and you have to do all these. I'm not a quiet guy, you know. And so I said, God, would you just, whatever you want, I just want to be available. And I just felt like he rocked my world. And, and I remember writing down, okay, God, what's in me that's not of you? And he began to show me some stuff. And then it's writing, what's keeping me from living the life that you that you long for? You know, what are the things, and I didn't have this terminology here yet, but what is the plus stuff? What is the Jesus plus stuff that I'm adding? And you know what he said? I, I mean, I just had words come to mind just so that it wouldn't, you know it wasn't like this audible voice. Well, Ryan, actually. There's, there's four things. The last one was passion. And, and I remember like, I'm like, seriously, God? I think I'm one of the most passionate guys I know. You think that's holding me back? That's what I'm adding? And then just this phrase came to my mind. Yeah, you're operating out of your passion and not my passion. And there's a big, big difference. And, and subtly I had added this because uh, one of my prayers is, God, I long to be used by you. I long for my life to be used by you. But there's somehow in my heart began this pharisaical view of not just I long to be used by you, is I long to be good enough to be used by you. That's heresy, by the way. You and I, I am a beloved son of the King Most High. His son died on the cross and declared it is finished so that I am good enough, not based on what I do, but based on what he did. And that's true for every single person in this room. So no longer do we have to work our way to be good enough for God to use us. We just show up. And subtly, in my soul, I began to realize there's yeast. Stuff in me. And what's interesting is we sanctify it. Don't we? We excuse it. We say, oh, that's, it's not that bad. Um, I want to share with you a story of a good buddy named Pierce. 
Um, and his story is one where he, just, he realized that he was climbing the ladder and yet it was leaning against the wrong wall and spent his life searching only to discover it was hiding in plain sight. Would you take a look? Hi, uh, my name is Piers Blewett. Um, just started coming to the Awakenings Church and um, have been asked to share with you my, uh, my story and um, how I came to follow Jesus and um, give you a little bit of uh, background in, as to the journey it took to, to got there. Um, I'd like to start off by saying I, I was uh, looking, I think, for most of my life for fulfillment, meaning some kind of contentment or answer to life uh, in many different places. Um, I've lived in many countries, um, haven't really found any answers just in that, uh, sought to find answers in my career, really chased the corporate ladder, um, partnering a law firm at a young age, VP at a major corporation at a young age, really thinking, chasing that that there'd be some answers of self-worth or contentment once you get there. Um, but that hasn't been the case at all. Uh, try to find it in other areas. Uh, some extreme sports or activities, skydiving or bungee jumping or other things, didn't find it there either. Uh, try to find it in, um, in a bottle, in alcohol, didn't find it there. Uh, joined a 12-step program, no answers there either. Um, moved to the U.S. Uh, 2003, uh, moved from Atlanta here uh, about six months ago and came to the men's group here about uh, a few months ago in October last year. Um, I thought I somehow just felt or hoped I would find something in this uh, in the men's group and at this church and with the people I know here um, I got a sense that if they had found something I might find something and um, it's proven to be the case um, there is something here and um, I didn't realize that you don't have to go all around the world and climb up ladders that are leaning on the wrong wall where there are no answers um, to find peace and serenity and what God can provide right here. Um, all you have to do is take that first step. Um, just surrender. Uh, don't overthink it. You don't have to have all the answers to start on that road. Um, and just keep it light. All I'm doing now is following Jesus. I, uh, I feel I'm just following someone. And um, I... Uh, I uh, I get a lot of peace and serenity and uh, calm and uh, meaning and fulfillment from that. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah. Don't go looking <laughs> over there. Uh, it's pretty much right here in front of us and hiding in plain sight. And um, I hope you can find what I feel I found. And um, yeah, just take that first step. Our hearts are searching for something or someone to satisfy. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy your deepest desires of your heart. And Jesus plus will never satisfy. The story doesn't end there. We have a miracle where Jesus is almost it's just for the disciples. He leaves them with this question, do you still not understand? And then we see in verse 22, it says they came to Bethsaida, where, which is Peter and Andrew and um, hometown, probably James and John. Some people brought a blind man. and Blindness uh, was always a metaphor in the ancient world for understanding. They brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. I love this. He took the blind man by the hand. When you can't see, and when you don't understand, you have a God who will meet you and take you by the hand. You just come and go, God, I don't get it all, I don't understand it all, and he will lead you. And then, when he had spit on the man's eye and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. This is the only recorded miracle that happens in stages of Jesus. Knowing where the disciples are at, this is clearly, he's making a, a point. And so oftentimes we want the sudden work of God and yet he does this gradual work. And for some, this morning was just that layer off of where you honestly get and go, you know what, I am, I am searching. I've never put words to it that way, but I am searching. Or for some, it's, you know what, I don't really fully get this Jesus thing, but perhaps he is the only one. Or, or for others, it's, you know what, I've, it's been a Jesus plus, and that's what's been going on. Once more, Jesus puts his hand on his eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Some in this room, you're, you're holding back because you're waiting to see everything clearly and have it all figured out. And I remember sitting with Andre and Pierce in a Bills, and one of the things I remember saying was to, to Pierce as he's starting this journey because he likened it to jumping out of an airplane and he couldn't figure out why he wouldn't jump because if it's true, he, I remember he said this, it's the most magnificent, amazing news on the planet and I don't know what's keeping me from jumping. And he just simply said this, you don't have to have it all figured out 
to start following Jesus. And for some, you want to see everything so clearly and have it all figured out. And just start today. Come to Jesus where you're at. Come to Jesus and just go, here I am. And you have a God who leads you gently. You have a God who restore your sight. Bring to him what's in you. Not what you think ought, should, ought to be in you. Just bring to him what's in you this morning. Would you stand and we'll sing. God, thank you for this time. I pray for each person in this room that right now needs to do business with you. That you would give them the courage to to open up their soul and take that first step. And for some, it's admitting their need, their searching. For some, it's an honest confession. Could you be the only one that can satisfy? And I don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to take steps towards you. And for others, it's, it's, it's identifying the things that we've added to you because we didn't believe you were sufficient. And we confess that in and of ourselves, we are sufficiently insufficient. And in that, may we find you, and we will find you sufficient.